Today on Selling the Truth, Jill Briscoe shares how you can stand strong for Christ no matter what you're facing. But first, your partnership is vital to keep God's Word going out all over the world through Telling the Truth. So as thanks for your support today, we'll send you Stuart Briscoe's six-message series, Thinking Clearly in a Messed-Up World. Request your copy when you give today and discover how God's Spirit is working within you to renew your mind and transform your life, no matter what's happening around you. Call 1-800-889-5388. That's 1-800-889-5388. Or you can give online at tellingthetruth.org. Now here's Jill with the start of her message, Standing Firm When the World Shakes Back. We're going to be looking at the chapter on Paul. Though we're talking about a man who says, I don't care what happens to me. As long as I use my life and all the gifts that God has given me to make the devil sorry he started the mess in the first place. That's his whole focus. And he wants to be an instrument in the hand of God. He wants to dance to the beat of God's heart. He wants to be in tune with the Lord and have his life impact forever. He's not planning to retire, for example. It's interesting, Stuart and I are involved in this ministry now in developing world, and that's where we're living our lives for whatever health and strength we have left. And I'm finding that we are being really an irritant to everybody that wants to retire. (laughs) Sorry about that. Well, I'm really not. It just surprises us that people have said, but, but I, I'm not planning on, you know, doing much with my retirement except rewarding myself for working hard, et cetera, et cetera, all day. But you know, Paul, can you imagine him planning for his retirement? I don't think I can. I was reading the life story of John Newton. He was the little sailor boy that went on his daddy's ship and became one of the most cruel slave masters in history, charting his own ship to round up Africans and sell them as slaves. And, of course, he got incredibly, wonderfully converted, and he wrote... His most famous hymn, he wrote many, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound That Saved a Wretch Like Me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was bound, but now I'm free. And that must have had specific pictures for him. I once was bound, but now I'm free. For he had been binding human beings, children, teenagers, adults, and selling them all over the world. And of course he got saved, he turned into a wonderful Anglican minister, he had two parishes in England, and at the time of his death, at the age of 82, John Newton never ceased to marvel at God's mercy and grace that had so dramatically changed his life. And this was the dominant theme of his preaching and writing. On another occasion before his death, he is quoted as proclaiming with a loud voice during a message, my memory is nearly gone, but I remember two things. I'm a great sinner, and Christ is a great savior. And apparently, as his mind failed, they were the only two things that he could remember, and they were the only two things he ended up preaching. And then he'd sit down, somebody else would get up and do the rest of the sermon for him. I love it. 
I love it. Paul said, for me to live is Christ. And until I'm done, that's what it's going to be. And I think until we capture the next generation, we looked at the next generation, do you know what they need? They need that challenge. They need the challenge. They need something to live and die for. The purpose, the driving passion of their life. That's what kids are looking for. And we shouldn't be afraid of saying, give it to God. Why don't you give your life to God? Go on. Give it away. Live it away. Love it away. Yes. And kids rise to that. Yes, they do. And when I think of the Apostle Paul, it's that marvelous phrase, Christ is my life. Death is my gain that gets to me every time. And that's what I want my life till it's over to be. He was a world shaker with that sense of chosenness. I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I may finish the race, dance to the beat of his heart, complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to God's grace. Amazing grace. G-R-A-C-E, crostic, God's riches at Christ's expense grace. It's all I want to talk about, it's all I'm living for, and it's what I will die for, which Paul proceeded to do. And he was convinced that God had told him he was going to take the gospel to the heart of the empire. Where was the most pivotal part of the world at that time? Rome. Never heard the gospel. It had never been preached in Rome. And Paul said, I'm going to do it. I'll do it. Can I go, please? So many of us are praying to go, but we're secretly planning to stay. And Paul was not into that. God saw his heart and he took him and said, you're going to get to Rome. I'll give you your heart's desire. So we pick up the story in Acts 21.17, where Paul and his party arrived to give the gifts from the Gentile church for famine relief. It turns dreadfully bad. The whole situation deteriorates. And even though Paul does his best, he takes vows, he does the ritual cleansing, presents himself in the temple, two million Jews in the city. The Diaspora. The Diaspora is a name for all the Jews that lived outside of Israel, scattered all over the world. And for this particular feast, they all came home. They all gathered. And they all, at some point during that long feast time, got themselves into the temple, into the holy place. And across the holy place was written on a sign, no foreigner is to enter into the forecourt and the balustrade around the sanctuary. Whoever is ought will have himself to blame for his subsequent death. And the Jews believed that the temple remained defiled until the sinner was beaten to death. And as Paul walked through past that sign, somebody recognized him and said, there he is, he's been with Gentiles, he's eaten with them. He is living with them. He has even brought some of them to our city. In fact, I am sure he's brought them into the temple. And immediately, it was just like putting a match to tinder. And the whole thing erupted. The riot ensued. Here were the men that turned the world upside down, doing it all over again in the temple. It says in the Bible, the whole city was aroused. And the word, kineo, literally means moved, shaken. The world shakers are here. The whole city, not just in the temple, the news spread. That man that's been running around saying that people can come into our faith, 
Gentiles can take part of the promises of the Israelite people is here. What's more, he brought one of those people, the Gentile, into the holy place, which was not true, but that's what they said. And the Romans, who were very nervous and trying to keep the lid on any riots and were there in great numbers, looked at this man literally being beaten to death by the temple police, and they rescued him. And they brought him out, and he stood on the steps, and as they were taking what was left of Paul at this point into safety and find out who he was and what was happening, he said, what a wonderful opportunity. (laughs) Please can I speak to the people? This is a perfect place, and these steps make a perfect place so that they can all see me. Let me talk to them. And the Roman said, you're asking me in Greek. Well, yes, I can speak Greek. You can speak Greek. Aren't you a Hebrew? Yes, but I can speak Greek. I was educated in Greek under Gamaliel, teacher known worldwide, Hebrew teacher. And so the Roman says, well, aren't you that Egyptian that caused a riot all those times ago? And like that terrorist that came and had this insurrection, I thought you were him back again. No, no, I'm a Jew, says Paul. And he stands in front of the mob and begins to talk to them in two languages, Aramaic and Hebrew. And when they hear him speaking in Aramaic, that was the language of the diaspora. All the visitors understood, and they all quietened down. It says in the Bible, then he swaps to Hebrew in and out, and as soon as he speaks in Hebrew, all the Jews go silent. Who is this man? He speaks our language. And he begins to tell his story, begins to tell his story, his story of his conversion, story of his conversion. That's Jill Briscoe on today's Telling the Truth. She's headed right back to God's Word for more on standing strong in Christ, no matter what you're facing. But before we dive back in, listen to what a listener, Pamela, recently shared. I listen to all of these messages on the podcast, and I'm so thankful that I can have them to re-listen to. I learn so much, and more and more things become clear to me through Stuart's messages on Revelation. Thank you so much for always bringing God's truth into my life. Thanks for sharing, Pamela. That's the impact your support today can have as you help take the life-changing message of salvation to a broken and hurting world. The truth is that each day, from every corner of the planet, we're reminded that things aren't how they're supposed to be. But the Bible offers hope for this brokenness. And in Stuart Briscoe's insightful six-message series, Thinking Clearly in a Messed-Up World, he'll help you see how God works in you to transform and renew your thoughts no matter what's going on around you. You'll dive into Romans 12 to discover how you can respond with wisdom and courage in today's most distressing circumstances. As you sharpen your mind and strengthen your heart through God's truth, you'll discover His grace for navigating the confusion and pitfalls of life in this fallen world. Thinking clearly in a messed up world is our thanks for your gift to help more people experience life through the resources and teachings of telling the truth. So request your copy of Stuart's series when you give today, 1-800-889-5388. That's 1-800-889-5388 or give online at tellingthetruth.org. Now, once again, it's Jill Briscoe. Who 
is this man who speaks our language? And he begins to tell his story, begins to tell his story, his story of his conversion, story of his conversion. He gives this testimony. What's a testimony? It's the story of how you met Christ or how Christ met you. Actually, the word means turning around. You're going in one direction and then you turn around and go in the other. Well, that's true of Paul, right? Absolutely true of the Apostle Paul. He's going in one direction, persecuting, killing, putting Christians in jail. He is a murderer. He's murdering Christians with permission. Romans turning a blind eye, the Jews giving him letters to do it and permission to do it. And he meets the risen Christ and he is converted. That is a very dramatic conversion. Not only is he turned around and stopped doing that, he becomes a Christian himself. And he becomes the persecuted. And he becomes the one that's tortured and beaten and put in prison and finally martyred. That's a conversion. Very dramatic conversion. Now, all of us need to be converted. It says in Matthew 18, unless you are converted, you will never see the kingdom of God. So my first question, have you been converted? And you say, well, Jill, I haven't gone around persecuting Christians or murdering my mother with an axe or something dramatic. I'm just an ordinary person. I love my mother. I wouldn't do that to her. I'm a nice person. In fact, I've gone to church all my life. And I cannot think of a moment when I met Christ or he met me and I turned dramatically around so people notice the difference. I haven't had a... So maybe I haven't even been converted. My husband has this picture of a rose in tight bud. And he says, some of us are converted like Paul was, or like John Newton was, the slave trader, into a Christ lover. And that's very dramatic. And others of us, it's like this rose. And the warmth of God's revelation comes to us, and the rose begins to open slowly, 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 until it's in full bloom. And that's probably the experience of most of you in this room. Most of us do not have a very dramatic St. Paul experience. I doubt if that's true. All of us need to be converted. The actual moment is not always the conscious moment. Did you hear that? The actual moment is not always what you're conscious of or what you can remember. But there will be a time if you have been born again, if the Spirit of God has come into your life, even if you cannot remember it. If you've been brought up in a Christian home, for example, It's very hard. I remember my daughter saying to me, Mom, you had a dramatic conversion. You can remember the moment. I can't. I was just a little girl, you tell me. And maybe what you're telling me is what I remember because you told me. But I cannot remember the actual moment. But I want to tell you, my daughter is a believer. She's in ministry today. And even though she can't tell it, Dr. Billy Graham says of his wife, I'm a good Baptist boy. I have a conversion story. I was going this way. I met Jesus. I was led to Christ. I can show you where, what chair I was sitting in, who led me to the Lord, who prayed with me. I turned around and I went in the opposite direction. Now he says, Ruth, my wife doesn't have a story like that. Child of missionary parents brought up in China. She cannot remember the actual conscious moment. But he says, I assure you, she is a Christian. She was like the flower, and she just bloomed. 
The important thing is to know now, today, at this moment, that you have been converted, that you have received the Spirit of God, and you've been born from above. And if you're not sure, make sure. You know, nobody's watching you, nobody's looking at you. Just tune me out, bow your head, make sure, right now. It's easy. Lord Jesus, I love you. Lord Jesus, I'm not sure. So I'm going to make sure. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus, by your Spirit. Bring me life. Well, conversion. Once you've been converted, you need to tell it. Your story is just as interesting as any dramatic Paul's conversion. Yes, it is. And I'll tell you who it's interesting to. All the people like you. All the people that can't remember the actual moment but know they're a believer. And if you could share your story, it would encourage them. Oh, so you you don't have to just live a terrible life in order that you can have a good conversion. (laughs) No, 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 no. This is how Christ can become real in reality to you. This is what happened to me. And so your story is very important, whoever you are. You need a beginning, you need a middle, and you need an end. You need to say, this is how I was brought up, or this is what it was like. As long as I can remember, I was in this Christian atmosphere. But there came a point where I noticed there had been a difference. I don't know the moment, but I began to want to read my Bible. You know, live people want to eat. Dead people don't want to. And suddenly, I came alive spiritually, and I wanted to eat. I wanted nourishment, so I began to find that I wanted to read my Bible. There will be signs of life Somewhere. You need to think about that. So you tell them what happened before, and then you tell them the difference after. Your story is wonderful. Everybody has a story. So you can give your testimony anywhere, anytime, any place. You don't have to be presented with a little audience to do it. And well, if you round up all your friends, I'll give my testimony. You do it everywhere. You just gossip the gospel. That's what was happening in the book of Acts. So get going on your story, every single one of you. Paul gave his story, his conversion story, over and over again. Five times you'll find altogether he gives that story. Never tired of telling, just as John Newton was never tired of telling, I'm the sinner Christ died to save until he had no mind left and he had few words and that's what he was still doing. For me to live as Christ and to die as gain. Little practical things as you read. I hope you'll go back and read his testimony and find these points. Speak in a language they'll understand. Paul used Greek, he used Hebrew, he used Aramaic. Well, you don't need to do that. But the point is, speak in a language they understand. Don't get all scriptury and King Jamesy on them. Just talk their language. Number two, find a point of agreement. He said, I was trained under Gamaliel, point of agreement. I was a Jew, point of agreement. Find something that's not going to antagonize them immediately because you're going to antagonize them (laughs) before you're finished. So first of all, speak in a language they'll understand. Find a point of agreement. Keep it simple. It's so simple. Once I was blind, now I can see. You know, just as simple as you can. Spurgeon said, feed my sheep, don't feed my giraffes. And what he meant is obvious. You know, don't talk up here. You've got to feed the sheep. You've got to be on their level, as it were. Give a personal illustration if it helps. But don't, in the end, let it be all about you because you've got to get to the point 
of talking and testifying to the grace of God. You've got to get to the gospel. And sometimes I listen to testimonies and we never get there. It's all about the person's story. Well, that's only the window that people can look through to what's really happening inside. And you've got to get to the gospel. And when Paul actually got to the gospel, all hell broke loose, literally, around him. And that's the problem. I find I get to the point where I need, as very crassly somebody said, to close the deal. Now let's chat with Jill about a few key ideas from today's message. Jill, can you tell us if you've ever antagonized someone by sharing your testimony with them? Oh, I'm sure I have. At the moment, off the top of my head, I can't think of how many people I've antagonized. (laughs) And some don't let me know that they don't like what I say. Uh, But what's that got to do with anything? It might have something to do with I need to learn to explain things better. And it's, uh, if I do antagonize someone, I always, and uh, know it, or they tell me, then I'll ask myself, did I speak out of turn? Did I not make a friend of this person before I shared my faith with them? You know, if people don't like you, they're not going to listen to you. Uh, do you listen to people that you don't like, I don't. Think back to school. I can think of teachers I never listened to because I didn't like them. And so the hard work of loving people and spending time with them and building friendships needs to be done. And then you stand less of a chance uh, antagonizing them. Just cold turkey on the streets or knocking on houses door to door, I don't believe is is the best way. I think the best way is friendship evangelism. I think the best way is to invest in people and not just be interested in them for their spiritual scalp, but interested in them because they're wonderful people and uh, you want God to help you to love them and get to know them and then share your faith with them. And if I've antagonized somebody and it's obvious, I say, I'm so sorry, I think I might have offended you. Um You know, if you're ever ready to talk about these things, I'd love to do that with you. Okay. So how do you move aside and let your testimony be about God's grace and not all about you? Yes, the Bible says, be witnesses to him. Jesus said, be witnesses to me. And if you use your own story at all, let it be a small window. You're sharing about Christ you're saying, let me, let me tell you about my faith. It's centered in a person who I believe is alive. He was dead, but he came back to life. It's about Jesus. Could I tell you what, not just he's meant in my life, but what he has meant in a world of people's lives down the centuries that he changes people's lives on every continent in every age. Can I tell you about him? And, uh, You might get somebody interested by telling a gory story about your own testimony, but be very careful because it's not about you. It's about him. And certainly there is a place to say, let me tell you how Christ has changed my life. But take a couple of sentences and then tell them about the Christ who has changed your life. Thanks so much, Jill. Before we go, remember that when you give this month to keep telling the truth broadcasts like this one going out around the world, 
we'll send you Stuart Briscoe's six-message series, Thinking Clearly in a Messed-Up World, to help you understand how God's Spirit works in you to transform you and renew your thoughts, no matter your circumstances. So call now to give, and remember to request your copy of Thinking Clearly in a Messed-Up World with our thanks. 1-800-889-5388. 1-800-889-5388. Or you can give online at tellingthetruth.org. We hope you'll join us again when the Briscoes share powerful truth from God's Word. Experience life next time on Telling the Truth.